0: Welcome to the Health Fix Podcast, where health junkies get their weekly fix of tips, tools, and techniques to have limitless energy, sharp minds, and fit physiques for life. Hey, health junkies, on this episode of the Health Fix Podcast, I'm interviewing Dr. Alan J. Bauman. He is a hair transplant surgery specialist in Boca Raton, Florida with over 28 years of experience in the medical field and quite a bit of it in the hair restoration realm. He's won awards. He's definitely pioneered some new treatment therapies and he is a, wow, a guru in the hair restoration and transplant surgery department. And In this podcast, I learned a ton, and I have no doubt that you are going to as well. Because you know, if your hair is receding, if you're losing your hair, you're worried about your hair, this can have a huge impact on your confidence and your self-esteem. In this episode, we are going to talk all about things hair. So let's introduce you to Dr. Alan J. Bauman. Hey, health junkies, I have Dr. Alan Bauman on, and I laugh because he gave me the best, best way to describe this. When you bow forward, we can see what's going on with your hair. And of course, today we are going to be talking about hair loss and what you can do about it, because I think this is one of the really big things that affects our mental health and our emotional health and our confidence, and we gotta talk about it. So, Dr. Alan Bauman, welcome to the Health Fix podcast.
1: Uh, Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you.
0: Well, I've enjoyed chatting with you already. We've had some great laughs just to get started. So I have no doubt that we are going to have a fun time here on, on the podcast. So hair loss, my goodness, you know, a couple of things that I, I think about and something that you brought up right off the bat is that women's hair loss is different from men's hair loss. And, and so I want to jump into that because I think for a lot of us, we, we start to think there's this. Okay, you know, we've got the 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 shampoos, we've got the different hair treatments, we have these different options, but where do we go? How do we we navigate it? So, let's first talk about the difference between men and women when it comes to hair loss.
1: Yeah, so well, first of all, hair is important for both men and women, although men have some more, let's just say, socially acceptable options if they're losing their hair. You know, sometimes they decide to shave it and embrace it. That's a little bit less popular uh, for the female persuasion, uh, the crowning glory is important. It's kind of hardwired into our brain that hair is a sign of youth and vitality. And of course, fertility, it's an outward sign of our age. And so it's natural. It's, it's embedded in our lizard brain. If we want to try to propagate the species, you know, we're going to make a snap judgment, whether that, that thing person or whatever is across the room or, uh, is a good mate for us, um, So that's why hair is so important. But when hair loss occurs, it looks different in men and women. And you're absolutely right. We can see hair loss in men usually very quickly. Their hairline starts to recede. Maybe they have a little thinning on top and they actually go bald in those areas. Baldness in women is a little bit less common. The most traditional causes of hair loss are genetic, and genetic hair loss in women. Occurs a little bit differently. Yes, it's in the frontal zone, but they don't really recede the hairline too much in the beginning. They typically lose volume first mm-hmm. and coverage. So it looks a little bit thin, the part line gets a little bit wider, they have to change your hairstyle a little bit. Um, eventually, yeah, sure, you can get a little bit of a recession, the forehead seems to grow, uh, but it's really the hairline shifting back. And women typically see more shedding, they complain of that more often, they typically see changes in their hair texture, and um, the shine, for example, and the way they have to manage their hair changes as they age, and the hair caliber changes. So there's a lot of different things that can really go wrong with that tiny little hair follicle that you've got under there. And hopefully you start out with about 150,000 of them on your head. And we want to try to keep and preserve every one and make them grow at full tilt. So hopefully that's what we'll chat about today.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, obviously you have wonderful looking hair. And for, for those of you guys, when I do the short clips, you'll see what he's got, he's working with hair. I mean, it's amazing. I looked at it right away. I was like, wow, you, you've got some great hair. Now you shared with me that you also had some, some struggles with your hair and that's why you're here. Tell us a little bit about your struggles as a man and kind of how they kind of fit into some of the clients you see as well.
1: Sure. So I guess you know I my dad went bald when I was a teenager, and I watched him lose his hair. And he worked from a comb over to uh, lotions and potions to eventually wearing a hairpiece until I got the chance to transplant him years later after I completed my training and opened up my practice. And so we were able to restore his full head of hair. Now his dad, my grandfather. Um, you know, I don't remember him ever having hair. I figured he was just born bald, you know? And so, uh, and also on my mom's side, my mom's dad also had severe hair loss, uh, you know, even before he passed. And so, you know, I figured this was coming my way one way or another. I just assumed that eventually I'd be losing my hair and uh, I always loved my hair. Um, I grew it long when I was in medical school, um, you know, I, I like I try to play bass by by ear, and I you know I was you know in a, in a small little band with medical students and such. But I, I always loved my hair, and I had it in a ponytail for a number of years way back when. Uh, it was not a man bun, but it was uh, it was a little ponytail. But um, what I've learned what I learned over the years, obviously getting into the field of hair restoration, and that's a whole separate story if you want to hear that, um, is that there's ways to protect and enhance your existing hair. And so I've been on therapies and treatments for over two decades. Uh, I've tried, I'm a hair junkie. So I've tried just about everything, but I've used the FDA approved medications. I've used red light therapy. I've used um, my own nutritional and nutraceutical products that I developed a whole line of them. Actually, I've developed my own hair care products specifically for myself and for my patients as well. So I have not yet had a hair transplant, although eventually I'll probably need one. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. But it's, it's been an amazing journey. Um, I, I, I do monitor my hair like, you know, on a regular basis, at least twice a year, I do measurements and, uh, I encourage my patients who are struggling with hair loss to come in for measurements as soon as they possibly think that they might have some thinning, or if they think that they're at risk for some thinning, because that's the best way to get some early detection done to know exactly what's going on at the level of the scalp before it's noticeable to the naked eye.
0: Absolutely. I'm fascinated. I didn't know you can measure your hair other than than the old school thing that us gals do. We put our hair in the ponytail and we see how many rubber bands we can turn around there. And if it gets less, we panic. So so tell us how it. okay. and I also want to know what the name of your band was with the medical students, because Uh, (laughs) I don't even think we have a (laughs) name.
1: I don't even know if we had any. I have to think about it. Oh, my
0: God. Um, That's hilarious. But no, how do you measure? How do you measure hair? Like, yeah, you do tell us.
1: So what's interesting, what you just described, uh, measuring your own ponytail volume actually is one of the most common ways that women detect that they're losing their hair because Mm. they're literally inventorying their hair multiple times a day. And this is something that's been scientifically shown through surveys that women check their hair, you know, like two dozen times during the day. Whereas men, you know, we're lucky if we check it once in the mirror, you know, while it's dark in the bedroom, in the bathroom, you know, uh, before we leave the house. But um, what happens is that it, it, the the same technology, what you just mentioned, is measuring a cross-sectional bundle of hair actually became the basis of a tool called Hair Check, which is something we've been using in the practice for over 15 years. and so we've done over 100,000 of these measurements easily. And what it does is it measures in different locations on the scalp this cross sectional bundle in a two by two centimeter area, which is about the size of a postage stamp. And it measures the cross sectional area about a half an inch off the scalp. And so it's a very sensitive measurement of how much hair density you have, meaning the numbers of hairs and also the quality of that hair uh, over time. So diagnostically, most people preserve the hair around the sides and the back of their scalp, unless they're torturing it with hair extensions or something like that. And the areas up in the front, let's say, are going to be more susceptible. So differences between the measurements from back to front, essentially, give us a percentage of hair loss. And that becomes a basis for some diagnosis. But then also over time, if we start a therapy or treatment, we can track those changes, which areas are responding to therapy or not, by doing a repeat measurement after an appropriate interval of time. Usually about 90 days would be the the optimum time to measure whether you're responding to a therapy. So hair check has been a part of my practice for many, many years. It's so simple and easy. We've taught doctors how to do it. We've taught their nurses and medical assistants how to do it. I've taught uh, beauty professionals how to do it uh, because it also is a good measurement for hair breakage and such. So cosmetologists Mm -hmm. can actually use this tool. Uh, through training, uh, we do a hair coach certification program to give them some background and guidance and hands-on with this tool, which is not even super expensive. I mean, it's relatively inexpensive to use. Um, but brand new, great news. I've got uh, an exciting new tool in the practice here at Bauman Medical. We use an AI-powered microscope to actually do hair measurements now. So this is a more sophisticated way in combination with the hair check that I just described to take a picture microscopically of the scalp, send it up to the cloud. It comes back with a hair count. So it counts every single hair and it measures the thickness of each individual hair and gives you a graphical representation in terms of colors um, based on the hair caliber size. So we can see whether the hairs are there or not and what quality they are. And that's really important for male and female pattern hair loss, because a hair follicle is not like a light switch that turns on and off. It's more like a dimmer switch that has a lot of variation in between. So before the hair follicle is dead and gone, it's working like sputtering. It's weak. It's thin. It's wispy hair. And so you can pick up those changes very, very uh, carefully and sensitively with the AI powered microscope. And that's called hair metrics, And it's a super exciting tool. It's really cool.
0: Wow. I'm I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated because, I mean, obviously you, you mentioned with like the hair follicle, it becoming a little bit more wispy, losing kind of some of its punch. And, and, you know, obviously this is something that a lot of folks aren't thinking about and also thinking about what kind of damage they're doing. You mentioned hair torture with extensions. I'm also thinking about the different braiding. I'm thinking about the different... Uh, for example, going out on a jet ski and not pulling, you know, putting your hair back under a hat and, and all the little breakage that happens. Tell us like, how do you challenge a hair follicle to have damage? And then give us the scoop on like, I mean, this is probably like eight part question, but I want to know the scoop on like, how do we, how do we strengthen this hair follicle business? So how we fix it. Yeah. yeah.
1: So yeah. there are all- So, so let's just separate first, like the, the part of the hair that's under the scalp, that's the living and growing highly metabolic organ, the hair follicle. It's one of the most highly mitotic cell populations in the body. So what that means is it's undergoing cell division at a rapid pace. It's using a lot of energy um to make the hair fiber now the hair fiber is what you see that's what's on your head um that's what you style from the outside and the hair fiber has characteristics like length right how long your hair is ponytail or short bob or is it thick meaning is it a very coarse hair like an oak tree in a forest or is it kind of thinner like a birch tree and then also is it pigmented or not and all of these things or even and also curl right so is it straight is it curly so all of those factors um, are genetically determined initially, as well as the thinning process that might happen over time. So if you torture the hair fiber itself with like chemicals and heat and sun exposure, um, you know you can break down the fiber, the uh, cuticle of the fiber, which is the protective layer. And that destroys the hair's aesthetic value because then it becomes less shiny, it becomes dull looking, it becomes rough, it's not smooth anymore. And it becomes less resilient to changes in moisture. So it becomes more prone to breakage when you're styling it. So that actually, you know, once you once you damage the hair fiber, right, through these, you know, extrinsic things, it doesn't self-repair. I mean, you could try to kind of modulate it a little bit with conditioners and coatings and sprays and things like that. But you can never really repair the, the cuticle. So that's why it's really important to grow good hair from the get-go, meaning that you want to preserve the function of the follicle. Think of the follicle like a a 3D printer making a little strand of of hair. That's what the follicle is doing. It cycles on and it cycles off, and hopefully it cycles on and cycles off normally. But if it doesn't, that's when you get this miniaturization, this weakening effect. You get a thinner, wispier hair, and then eventually the follicle kind of peters out, and it basically just dies, and it's beyond repair. So um, there's a lot of things that affect the follicle from the inside. Um, The intrinsic factors, of course, age and heredity determine how your hair is going to respond just by, you know, living your life into the upper decades. Um, But it's also a hormonally sensitive organ. And this is why women especially see shedding after childbirth, during uh, perimenopause and menopause. Um, It's also occurring during uh, disorders of hormone dysregulation like PCOS. Uh, hair follicles can really become dysregulated and you can have a lot of hair loss during that situation. Um, and there's so many other intrinsic things that could go wrong. Inflammation can shut down the follicle, poor circulation, poor nutrition, uh, uh, dysregulated sleep. So you're, if your sleep wake cycles are jet lagged or something, if everything is off with your circadian rhythm, you can really start to lose some hair too. So hair follicles are kind of a very holistic organ. That it means it's like, it's also very sensitive, you know, cause it's sensitive to all of these different things. And in order to treat hair loss, we've gotta kind of take a holistic approach. We gotta start from way back, you know, and take a good close look at what's going on uh, just generally in your lifestyle and nutritional status and stress level and sleep-wake cycles. And then of course getting into endocrine and, um, you know biomarkers and, uh, you know, blood levels of, of iron and everything from oxygen saturation to circulation Uh, To you name it. And so we look at all of that on top of the genetic uh, tendencies towards male and female pattern hair loss. And that doesn't even scratch the surface to autoimmune conditions like alopecia areata and things like that. So what we're talking about today really is the primary cause of hair loss, which is hereditary, male and female pattern, androgenetic alopecia.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, you've said so many things that, you know, (laughs) a lot of folks are probably like, really, Dr. Bowman, really, there's all these things. I, you know, we've been marketed. Let's be honest. We've been marketed that we could totally repair our hair with different types of product. Let's let's call it that way. We've been told all these different things. And so now, of course, it's no surprise that when you tell us all of these different things we have to look at to figure out what's going on in the hair, it's like, have I been ruining my hair my whole life? You know, And, (laughs) and and as a woman, you're thinking, like, you know. All my dyeing of my hair, all of the perms, all of that stuff. What would you say to to a gal right now who's like, okay, I'm 45 years old and I'm starting to really notice some hair loss and thinning and I've done all these torturous things to my hair and I haven't taken care of it like you were saying with red light therapy and all this stuff. Am I screwed? Like, what do I do?
1: (laughs) So the first thing I would say is let's take a deep breath. (laughs) <laughs> because uh, the good news is that there's a lot that we can do. So, But what we don't want to do is we don't want to panic, and we don't want to get our blood pressure up, and we don't, don't want to get that cortisol going because, you know, hair is a very emotional organ, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it causes emotion in the person that has it, and it can also trigger emotions in the observers, right? So um I would say just the first thing is is uh you know let's just hold on and not make any rash decisions so you know don't go panic shopping on Amazon for some you know miracle grow shampoo or something you know let's let's start from the basics so um, if i told my patients they can't color or style their hair i would not be in business and so i would have zero patients and so we have to take that um, with a you know with the reality that styling our hair uh, and and chemically processing our hair whether it's color curl and straightening and heat and all that is going to be necessary to enhance its aesthetic value but also let's be mindful that we can't overdo it if we have thinner you know finer hair fibers you're not going to chemically treat that hair the same way as if you had coarser thicker you know curlier hair so you know let's let's just be careful and, and we also have to trust and choose our hair professionals very carefully those who we, who we trust to style our hair and make sure that they're knowledgeable about our unique situation which is the, the characteristics of our hair and, and maybe even also what we might be at risk for so I mean a lot of uh, women do come to me and they say oh my god I got this last coloring treatment and you know she fried my hair. And so we have to figure that out. Now, the good news is, is that you can get a haircut and you can grow more hair. But what are the things that we can do? What are the things we can do to evaluate the situation and modify the function of the hair follicle? Well, there's there's a lot. And so after looking at all of that um, kind of background information, you know, taking into account the inventory of of the allostatic load, which is everything that stresses us out and our our holistic lifestyle and nutrition and so forth uh, and our genetics, you know, who in the family has hair loss and what exactly are the symptoms? What are you experiencing? Is it a thinning process? Is it a shedding phase that happens suddenly? That's called telogen effluvium. Uh, do you have both female pattern or male pattern with a telogen effluvium? That was very common with yeah. COVID, actually. Yeah. So, an illness or fever can trigger a telogen, a shed. And if you already have a hereditary hair loss, well, that just accelerates the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Just like menopause and just like childbirth, you know, sometimes the hair just doesn't rebound after an insult like that. And uh, then patients have to come to me to figure out what to do to grow their hair thicker, better, stronger. Uh, even vaccines uh, you know can dysregulate the immune system and can uh, uh, disrupt this microcirculation. And I have a lot of long haulers who are just dealing with chronic telogen shedding, after shedding, after shedding, wave. And it's been years. And uh, the good news again is that we can we can do some therapies and treatments to get it under control. So it all starts really with scalp health first. So that's kind of the basics. Yeah. Uh, you know, if your scalp is inflamed, uh, is not healthy, is damaged in some way, we want to address that. Uh, and scalp symptoms range from oily or dry to flaky and irritated to pimply or bleeding. And we want to uh, figure that out. I have an entire department, a trichology department. Uh, they don't ride tricycles. They do hair and scalp analysis. So trichology is like the uh, paramedical um version of an esthetician to a a plastic surgeon, a trichologist works with hair restoration physicians like myself. And so we try to rectify that first. And then from the measurements and evaluations microscopically, we want to see if we're dealing with a density issue or a hair quality issue. And then we can get into good nutrition. As I said, the follicle is highly metabolic. So there may be some simple supplements or vitamins or herbs that we can use to try to get a control of the situation. And, uh, you know, I always say there's thousands of vitamins out there on the on Amazon, but there are a few that have clinical trial, uh, double-blind randomized uh, studies behind them. And so we recommend those as well as the nutritional supplements that I've created. And some of it is fuel, like proteins and uh, collagen powders. Some of it are specifically targeted things like ashwagandha for stress. And then other things are just kind of, you know, basics like uh, a good multivitamin for hair plus biotin uh, or dealing with other things that you might be, uh, uh, working with, um, you know, in terms of what's in your diet or not. Mm -hmm. So, uh, protein intake is obviously critical and then, you know, making sure you're not anemic, very common issues that we see in restrictive diets or weight loss diets. And Ozempic is certainly another topic that we can cover uh, that's triggering a lot of hair loss as well.
0: Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I I love your holistic approach. I mean, it's, Incredible. I mean, you have thought of every single aspect of hair that one could, I mean, dang, it's impressive. It's impressive. I like it. And, and I'm. Well, thinking- so it's like a
1: foundation that we build on, right? So you have this, um, the foundational things like hair and scalp health. And we you do that stuff first before we step into pharmaceutical treatments or red light therapy, regenerative treatments like PRP. And of course, if the follicle is dead and gone, then you're going to need a hair transplant for that area. But you, know, you see what we do is we progress from the least invasive safest things first, and then go from there, we get more aggressive as we need or want to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's huge. I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, do you have stylists on on staff that you consult with or folks that you, you recommend? Because I'm thinking in my mind too, in terms of the whole process of, yes, t- you won't have business if you have women who are like, I want to keep dyeing my hair, but, but folks that you can communicate with, with what to do with products or things of that nature do you have lists of that do you have because i'm just curious i'm curious oh absolutely so
1: so (laughs) you know like i said uh, in the beginning of our conversation you know we actually do a certification program called hair coach which uh, there's a there's a track for beauty professionals and there's also a track for uh licensed medical professionals and so sometimes we hold those classes together but obviously the hands-on portion might be different Right. Um, you know, what a beauty professional is doing in her chair might be different than what a, uh, a nurse practitioner or a PA or a physician might be doing in, in, in their treatment chair. Um, uh, but they get a chance to see everything and get an idea of different perspective. But yeah, so I, we have men's stylists who are amazing at, at covering and styling men's hair loss and dealing with kind of the, the cosmetic downtime from a hair transplant or the interruptions in styling. And then we have, uh, female stylists who are, you know, partially, uh, trichology certified And then they're hair coach certified. So, yeah, there's a whole knowledge base out there that, um, you know, the the beauty industry wants to know what to say and what to do about hair loss. And uh, and that that interest is growing exponentially because, you know, during the pandemic, we didn't have a chance to really do too many of those in in. office classes, you know, in-person classes. And now there's just a lot of pent up demand. So we just we yeah. just restarted that recently. And uh, you know, the class was sold out. So it's like, you know, it's the next one's gonna be in a couple of months. So that's right. um yeah. So that's like hair com That's one of the places that a lot of people go uh to kind of get the certified hair coach training.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So guys there's there's so many resources around this. This is awesome. You're like the one stop shop. Um, for everything, hair is is what I can see here. Now, tell us about the Ozempic. Tell us about we like what you're seeing there. I mean the 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 COVID long haul stuff with with the telangiectflum. I mean effluvium. That is awesome to hear that. I mean, tell us tell us what you're seeing because so many people and I know we're getting into a shortage, so we might be ending up not seeing this as much in new cases, but the ones that are already there. Tell us what is Ozempic doing? What are you seeing? What's yeah. happening? With so mal- this is.
1: Yeah, this is not new uh, information. I mean, it may not necessarily be related to the drug itself, but let's be honest. If the drug is causing some weight loss, you know, it's decreasing your ability to intake fuel or nutrients, and causing you to lose weight, which is good. We want uh, to encourage our, uh, you know, our entire community to lose weight. We're all, uh, you know, could probably lose a little bit uh, as a general society. Um but here, the point is, is that if you lose a certain amount of weight and you're caloric restrictive, because the follicles are so highly metabolic, they're very, very sensitive to those uh, those nutrients and fuel. So you, follicles start shutting down. And so how did we know this was happening? Well, certainly uh, bariatric surgery has been quite popular in recent years, fad diets, you you, you know, dating back 20 years. And, and here in Boca Raton, Florida, even just like 10 years ago, we had this crazy thing called the cookie diet, where I mean, it was basically a cookie made out of cardboard, I don't know, fiber or something. And people were eating this fiber cookie uh, to try to lose weight. And uh, patients were coming in and after doing like eating cookies, I guess, for a week or whatever, you know, they would lose how many pounds. Um, so that was some type of caloric restriction. and uh, But they, it, it, it was not a funny situation because they were losing a lot of hair because of it. And so bariatric patients, which lose a ton of weight in a short period of time, uh, even though they're under nutritional guidance, the follicles, if they're sensitive, especially to female hair loss or male hair loss, wow, it can really start to shed. So we have a bunch of different types of therapies. Obviously, we don't want to refeed you to gain all the weight back, but we want to stabilize your nutritional status. And uh, I have on board a functional medicine practitioner. I have a, um, uh, a nutrition and, and fitness person. I have uh, a medical assistant who's done hormone optimization. So I have a whole team of experts really in our what we call our performance program to help evaluate a lot of that because we see so much of that dysregulation out there, not just Ozempic hair loss. Um, but other weight loss issues and uh, other metabolic issues, honestly, that we uncover when we have a hair loss problem.
0: Yeah. I mean, the hormones, the plant and sob of all the other things, my goodness, I noticed you have the hair coach portal on your website. And so I was thinking to myself, like they must have quite the coaching program for folks and, coaching people down from some panic modes um i'm guessing too for when they come in and don't know what's going on with their hair because it is such a big deal now tell us tell us a little bit you were mentioning more about the follicle and you're mentioning in your case hair maintenance now with your coaching programs do you do you work with folks who are like maybe they're they're like I just don't want to end up like what happened to my mom, what happened to my dad. I want to prevent stuff. You know, maybe they're not noticing a a ton of different changes, but they're like, man, I I just don't want to go down one route or the other. Do you have a coaching program for that?
1: Well, I mean, look, the bottom line is if you you have someone who is at risk for hair loss, uh, if they're geographically suitable, they can come into the office here at Bauman Medical and get a consultation, get a measurement, get a baseline and see what's going on. If it's really a minor situation, then, you know, maybe we just reevaluate in a year, see how it goes. Maybe we're doing just some basic things. Um, if someone is not local or geographically near us, we can do consultations virtually. Now, of course, we're not gonna be able to do that measurement, which is kind of cool. But we're going to be able to determine what's going on, get a detailed history, get an idea of the symptoms, look at photos, look at them on the video and see if there's any issues in terms of coverage. And we can start to guide them in terms of therapies and treatments that they can do. So becoming a patient at Bauman Medical is super simple, you know, it's just from your home or your phone, you start at BaumanMedical.com, and you fill out some paperwork, and boom, you're going to mount automatically in the system. Uh, there's a consultation fee, but it's only one fee for your whole life and that's it. And then you're a patient for life. And so you can always reach out to us after that at no charge, essentially. Um, and the measurements forever, at least for now, uh, are no charge. You come in, get measured and get evaluated. So, but therapies and treatments could start right away, you know, aside from the scalp health issues and using the right hair care products and the right nutritionals and nutraceuticals, we might talk about, you know, are you more, uh, And Let's say holistically minded and natural, then maybe we're going in the realm of red light therapy for for the scalp at home or regenerative treatments in the office like PRP. Uh, We have another therapy called TED, transepidermal delivery, or maybe we add some pharmaceutical intervention like minoxidil. Uh, minoxidil is the old Rogaine topically, but now it's available compounded, so it's not as greasy or gooey, and it's a lot less irritating. And there are other topicals that people could use, um, and especially postmenopausal women could use that are even a little bit stronger than that. And uh, and we can now also use minoxidil orally, so we can put that drug into a capsule at a microdose and trigger a lot of hair growth.
0: That's cool. I didn't know about that. And and Ted, tell tell us about Ted. I wanna know about this.
1: Oh, Ted is an amazing technology. Transepidermal delivery of growth factors and peptides is something that we helped launch here at Bowman Medical. We were one of the first few doctors outside of the clinical trial work that happened in the Chicago area. Uh, to be able to be qualified to provide this, this technology and treatment to our patients. And so PRP, you've probably heard of as an injectable thing that you make from the blood, right? Blood platelets. Well, TED requires no needles, no anesthetic whatsoever, no blood draw. It uses a technology called sonophoresis. So sonophoresis is ultrasound and ultrasonic delivery systems have been around for decades, basically making the skin more permeable. So the skin does its job pretty good. You get out of the shower, you're not swollen up like a sponge, right? Why? Because your skin is moisture-proof, essentially, at least mostly. And it takes a lot to get through the skin, which is one of the reasons why we have to inject things. Uh, The skin is pretty good at keeping stuff out. Uh, Certain size molecules actually have a really difficult time getting through the skin. But sonophoresis, using ultrasonic sound waves, breaks up the stratum corneum, which is this very thin layer in the skin superficially that has typically a brick and mortar structure. So it's a very tight structure that keeps the water out. But this ultrasound kind of dysregulates it temporarily. And then this device called TED pushes the uh, serum whether with growth factors and peptides right through the skin. Uh, during the same visit, so you prime the skin with the ultrasound, you apply the serum, and then you drive it through with this uh, with this technology. And what happens is that this serum, which is very powerful, it has, like I said, growth factors and peptides. It has everything from copper peptide to uh, thymosin beta four derivative. It also has uh, growth factors like VegF and FGF. Uh, these are powerful hair growth stimulators that we apply once a month for four months. In a treatment that only takes about a half an hour or so.
0: Wow. We, wow.
1: Yeah. So no pain, no discomfort. Like we say, no trauma, no drama. And uh, you go home, you know, let the serum soak in even more, and then you can shampoo the next day. But uh, patients are seeing hair improvements, hair quality improvements, hair texture improvements, as well as hair growth. We're measuring very well with the microscope. And also we're seeing some repigmentation as well, which is super exciting.
0: Really? Really? And, and what age ranges with, with repigmentation? How, like what's, What's the range? Um,
1: well, you know, sometimes women have uh, depigmentation, you know, going gray, obviously, at an early age. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, through some scientific research, we've kind of figured this out within the industry that if you catch it early and the follicle is not totally going gray 100%, it's kind of sputtering and still a little bit, the pigment is working a little bit, you can rejuvenate that follicle and get it to grow a thicker, darker, stronger hair. And that's what we're seeing. It might be due to the copper peptide. There's a lot of talk about that, although the research is not hundred percent there yet, exactly what the mechanism is, but, but the copper peptide might be helpful. And uh, so we see all ages, uh, women are doing very well and men on the treatment if they have hair follicles in the zone, right? That's the caveat. And then what happens is that after the four months, uh, some patients will just decide they're doing so well. They just wanna make it part of their beauty regimen and they'll come in once a month for the treatment. And then others will wait until they measure uh, a droppage. So if, they're st- if they've gotten this improvement and then they're seeing a plateau phase and then it, you know, they're measuring again and it drops down, maybe before the end of the year, they'll do another series of treatments with the TED.
0: It sounds amazing. So I'm kind of in my head going like, okay, we've got a lot of folks that will just start to notice the gray like within, you know, like, oh, it's the last couple of months I have started to go gray. Those are like ideal folks is what Mm. I'm guessing for for Ted versus someone who's like, yeah, I've been gray for 15 years or something of that nature or had like a stripe um, on on the hair that's been gray for that long.
1: Yeah, that's what we're kind of seeing is that the, the folks that are, have kind of early stages of gray are the ones that are seeing some repigmentation. They don't need to, you know, color as often, they're seeing a rejuvenation in the color. And it's not every single time, obviously. And, and, you know, not every patient responds the same to any therapy or treatment for all the reasons we previously talked about. Everybody's, you know, status holistically is different. But, mm-hmm. um, but the patients generally are tolerating the TED very well. And one of the most uh, common symptoms that uh, gets addressed with the TED is the shedding, so it's a, it's really great. In fact, that's the first thing that usually uh, patients will notice, even before the hair regrowth, is they'll see a decrease in shedding. So if they've had shedding from either COVID or childbirth, um, you know, or for some other trauma like general anesthetic or something like that, they can certainly do the TED, and it's been really really good uh, to stop that shedding and do that first and see that first before you get the hair growth coming in later on.
0: Oh, that's neat. That's neat. Cause I mean, that is one of the things that a lot of women will come to me and, and say that they're shedding quite a bit. This is really, you know, disconcerting, you know, but there's, there's no other major appearance of loss other than just the the, right. the, the shedding. So
1: Well, that they can see, you know, remember, uh, you can lose 50% of your hair without it being noticeable to the naked eye. So, you know, that's the the point at which you want to try to take action is the earliest possible time that you notice a symptom. And so maybe nothing heroic needs to be done, but at least get an inventory of what's going on. Do that ponytail volume, you know?
0: Yeah. So I have a question about that, you know, because there's, there's shedding and then there's excessive shedding. Right, You know, I've heard multiple different stats on like what's too much shedding, what isn't. Can you give us a, a parameter? Because I think for a lot of folks, you know, obviously we shed during the day. That's natural to shed a little, but how much is too much really?
1: Yeah. So the reason, well, let's start with the reason why you shed, Um, as we mentioned earlier, the hair follicle cycles. So the hair follicle goes through these stages of hair production, where you're growing the hair. And theoretically that should last five to seven years. And sometimes it lasts much longer. I mean, I have a, one of my uh, surgical technicians has hair that grows, you know, all the way down past her hips. And so her hair, her antigen phase her growing phase is much longer than five or seven years. It just keeps going and going. It doesn't stop it's amazing. Um, but the average person five to seven years, the follicle will then shut down and then degrade. Actually, it'll, it'll actually separate from the base and, uh, the follicle will then release the hair as during this resting phase, as the new hair is being produced. So that's about a 90 day cycle of resting that occurs, right? So antigen is the growing phase and then catagen and telogen is the degradation and then the, the, the resting. And it all turns on and cycles again. So if you have 150,000 hairs on your head, and let's say they're all working and healthy and doing great, but they're cycling, a normal head of hair is going to shed about 100 to 200 hairs per day. Now, how would you see that? Well, in order to see 100 to 200 hairs per day, you'd have to actually brush out your hair or shampoo it and keep track of it. Um, If you had your hair in a ponytail for two days and you were a normal head of hair, when you take out that ponytail after two days, guess what? How many hairs would you see? It's shedding. Well, it would be double. It would be all the hairs that you shed yesterday and all the hairs that you shed today, too. So the less you manage your hair, right? Like let's say you shampoo once a week. Well, mm-hmm. that could you. by the time you're ready to shampoo and shower and brush your hair out, you could see a thousand hairs. That's like enough to choke a cat. That's like, you know, it's going to get clogged in the drain. Mm-hmm. So that's just normal shedding. So it depends upon how often you're shampooing and brushing and manipulating your hair and obviously the length of your hair. And so most men have shorter hair, they don't even notice any shedding. The the wind takes it away and that's it. They don't even notice that it's gone. Um, But women with longer hair and men with longer hair are gonna see that daily shed. So when the shedding is excessive, then you're gonna get, meaning that more hair is shed than what's being reproduced, right? More hairs are turning off than turning on. And that's something that happens with male and female pattern hair loss, right? In different zones. You could have a depletion of hair because of the cycling that changes. The hairs grow for a shorter period of time they're only making a thinner weaker wispier hair they're not making a big long hair anymore it's much much shorter it's not giving any coverage the hairlines receding in that way you see these shorter hairs in the temples and so when that's happening um, you can you're, you're, you know you can it's a concerning problem right you're going to see uh, you know that the the shedding could result in depletion of density and depletion of coverage so um, the point is that you want to get at it early. You know that's the take-home yeah. message, right? So excessive shedding is when you're losing more than you're regrowing, and that the only way to figure that out is through microscope or mm-hmm. you know the AI powered microscope or the hair check measurements or visually you see the changes. Yeah. So all of that requires intervention. You know you need to get 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 an appointment <laughs> so that we can see what's going on. Um, and the good news is that we can address it. You know if you're if you're in the early stages, there's a lot of hope. We're going to get you to maintain what you have and we're going to regrow your hair
0: my goodness my goodness thanks for sharing that because in my mind you know some folks do only wash their hair once a week so that would make sense if you would see more than so logistically you know we have to think about that but ultimately for me i'm a data geek i want to see what what the data is so yes going yeah. in getting that that done and, and and just really assessing it so of course some folks don't live in Florida, but nevertheless, I'm like, how can we, I mean, who doesn't want a Florida vacation? So do you have folks come to see you <laughs> to, like, while on vacation and, and get things checked out? Give us, give us a scoop of like how, I mean, I know you said if you have a phone, you could get started. What about just the screening and things like that? Can folks just pop in out of nowhere, out of vacation and, and check out? Well,
1: Well, the hair restoration vacation is something that's been around for a long time since I started the practice over 25 years ago. Um, That was actually one of the feature stories on CNN where patients would come in from out of town and stay at the local uh, high-end resort and and they get a hair transplant or or other treatments. Um, 50% of my patients do come in from out of town. Uh, I'm listed as one of the top 20 in the world. So having that certification and, and um, designation uh, certainly has attracted patients from all over. Uh, I've treated over 30,000 patients, as you probably mentioned to your uh, listeners, and, and performed over 12,000, 13,000 hair transplants. So we do have patients from all over. And it all starts with that virtual consultation first. Uh, that way, we can get a great inventory of what's going on. And we can tell you, hey, look, you know, you can start to manage this on your own. Or, you know, if you happen to be in the New York area, we do pop up there uh, once a quarter typically. So me or my team or both will be there uh, usually in the city to do measurements and evaluations and execute the non-invasive treatments like PRP and such. Um, We've also been at uh, many of the biohacking conferences over the years. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you're a data geek and you might be a biohacker, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when it comes to your health. And so we've demoed the TED and we've done measurements for folks who have met us there We did a conference in Los Angeles and more recently in Orlando. Um, And so we do kind of pop around. But most of our patients will start first on the website. There's over a thousand pages of information that I've written personally and uh, start their journey there uh, with myself or with my nurse practitioner or with my associate surgeon. Um, There's a lot of great ways to get things started.
0: Awesome. That's
1: that's BaumanMedical.com, by the way, BaumanMedical.com.
0: Got it. We will make sure we keep putting that up there. Now, one thing I did want to ask about, because I am not familiar with all of the hair restoration, like what, what kind of criteria do we have to get into the level of you need hair restoration? And so I definitely want folks to hear a little bit from you about that level and, and what that looks like as a treatment and a process and staying in a resort. I was, I was wanting you to mention that because I had seen that um, info. So So. Yeah. Give us a scoop.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, hair transplantation today is far different than how it was just five or 10 years ago. It's a highly refined process. It's comfortable. It's not moving plugs anymore. It's not going to look weird or unusual. So someone that needs a hair transplant is someone that has an area that's completely depleted of hair or mostly depleted of hair. And so for some women, they're born with a high hairline and they just want to change their hairline to more aesthetically frame their face just based on proportions. Like the same way people might want a chin implant or a cheek implant, some women want a lower hairline. If you have a very high hairline uh, in this day and age, and I'm not talking about Queen Elizabeth's age because obviously that was a different time and a different era where high hairlines were a sign of nobility. Today, a lower hairline is considered more aesthetically pleasing and it's more youthful. And so, and I think that, you know, Queen Elizabeth's era was probably just an anomaly. Um, (laughs) But the point is, is that a lot of women are born with a high hairline and they want to change it or densify it. And that's great. Those are great candidates for hair transplantation. Uh, As long as you come to someone who has an artistic approach. And so we're not going to create a little semicircle hairline on your head or you know, a flat line. That would be ridiculous. We're going to match the contour of a natural hairline shape, which includes whether you had a widow's peak or not, whether you had a receding hairline or not, or whether you had good temporal points. And so we'll recreate that for you. Um, but for female pattern hair loss, Uh, Sometimes what happens is, and especially in women who are sensitive to androgens, right, because that's a a main trigger for hair loss in both men and women, uh, a woman, let's say, who's on hormone optimization therapy that might include testosterone might notice that her hairline is receding a little bit, and it can look more masculine, less feminine, and that's not so good, and that's a genetic tendency. Not all women on testosterone have that issue. But uh, that's the, one of the most common areas that we transplant women. So if you're tilted your head to the side and you're looking at your receding temples and you're thinking that that's looking worse or you're combing it over with a little bit more hair these days, uh, comb it back there and see what's going on. Um, you might need to have treatment for, to protect that hair or transplantation to densify it. And so how hair transplants work. So under local anesthetic, um, we don't cut a strip anymore anymore. Uh, we're well beyond that. We're taking each individual graft, as little as a single follicle at a time, from the back of the scalp, and however many we need, that's how many we're going to go get. We take those follicles out and then artistically implant them into the thinning or the balding area. So there's really a two-step process. The recipient site gets made in the in the recipient area, and then the graft is then implanted into that site. And so it's a it's a long process. It's not a fast process. The whole procedure could take six or eight hours. But you're sitting comfortably, relaxing in the chair, either on your side or on your belly or reclining. You're watching movies, listening to music. Uh, Your scalp is completely numb with local anesthetic. And we're working. We feed you lunch. And uh, hopefully we don't have to feed you dinner. (laughs) But, uh, you know, we work and uh, get the job done. And then the healing phase. People want to know, well, what's the downtime from this? You know, am I going to be bruised? Probably not. Am I going to be swollen? Maybe. Are you going to get crusting? Yeah, for about a week. So it takes about six to eight days to cosmetically recover from a hair transplant to the point where you can go out and nobody would know. And where we harvest the hair is hidden under your existing hair. So no one would ever see that. We don't take every single hair from a patch. We're only taking a small percentage of hair. So that layer is growing back to normal very quickly and is hidden within days. So the hair growth starts in about four to five months and it becomes visible to the naked eye around six months. And then the full result is a year. And don't forget, we can also do things like eyebrow transplantation, eyelash transplantation, and mm-hmm. we can also cover scars from uh, uh, brow lifts and facelifts or injuries or trauma.
0: Fascinating, fascinating. Yeah, I did read the eyelash one, and I was thinking to myself, my goodness, this is this is fascinating. I'm imagining too, like post post chemo, there could be some interesting kind of interventions as well that that you have for folks too.
1: So the most highly metabolic cell populations in your body, right, hair follicles, as we mentioned, your GI tract, uh, your bone marrow, all that stuff gets really hit pretty hard when you're on chemotherapy, and that's really the reason why hair follicles shut down during chemo. Um, The good news is that for many patients, most patients, you're going to get regrowth. It's just going to take some time. So maybe something temporary. And we do temporary non-surgical hair restoration. Uh, We actually have hair pieces and and wigs and weaves. We also do cranial prosthetics, which is more of a medical grade version of that for temporary loss like chemotherapy patients. Um, We also do things to try to recover the hair, to enhance the hair regrowth. So. Uh, unfortunately, many women today who have undergone chemotherapy they have permanent alopecia from the chemotherapy, and this is just awful because a lot of these young women in their forties, you know, treating with breast cancer. Um, and, uh, uh, whether it was the, the alternative to tamoxifen, which right now is escaping my mind, but there's all, you know, it was a whole class action lawsuit that this thing was promoted without the knowledge of the, of the, uh, side effects to the, to the oncologists. And, and they were prescribing this chemotherapy, which triggered taxotere taxotere, uh, was triggering permanent alopecia post chemotherapy alopecia. And that's a terrible situation because sometimes there's no hair to transplant and these women will need, Cranial prosthetics for the rest of their lives. It's awful, but if you're having just uh, you know a traditional chemotherapy treatment and we fully expect it to regrow, then you know let's use red light therapy, low level laser light, like the laser cap. It's a great non-invasive treatment for anybody with some thinning hair to try to rejuvenate the follicles. You know, let's put some uh, other treatments into play, like minoxidil, either topically or orally or both, um, and hit it with some PRP to stimulate the follicles, or even TED, as we mentioned previously. Mm. Those are all great treatments. And then we'll go to the regrowth and we'll see if there's any areas that are lagging behind. We'll, you know, we'll have to figure out what we need to do to, to get those areas back into action.
0: I think that's a great plan for being proactive. A lot of people don't think about that there's much they can do. They just are like, all right, that's it. I'm going to lose my hair. Maybe it'll come back. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll come back weird, you know, so be it. But that's great to know that there are options for folks in this case. My goodness. 100%. And even if
1: you're going to go under chemotherapy and you don't want to lose your hair, you know, check with your oncologist about getting a cool cap, you know, a cold cap, which kind of freezes the scalp. Um, It's not something that we can do here at the office, but you can get them at home. Some of the uh, oncology centers actually have those mechanical devices. So you just wear the cap. Um, Obviously the chemo is not getting to the scalp. So there's a little concern there by some oncologists. So check with your doctor if a cold cap, Uh, would be appropriate for you if you're nervous about the results of hair loss from chemo.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that those penguin caps and such are are interesting to me. I find them fascinating. So they do work (laughs)
1: 100%. Yeah, they do work very well. So
0: So cool. My goodness, you know, so much, which of course you would, you, you have such an expertise and this is awesome. This is more than I've ever known about hair in in my entire life. So I can't wait to to share this podcast. This is going to be a fascinating one. So baumanmedical.com folks, where you can get all of your information on all of the info related to hair care. I mean, this is prevention. This is like all the things all the way up to restoration. I mean, every aspect of hair, you you guys have got it covered. It's awesome. I'm really impressed and look forward to learning more about your practice and what you can do for my clients too.
1: Well, thank you so much. It's been great. And uh, you know, I would just finish off by saying if there's somebody out there, a man or a woman or somebody that you know, or love or that person in the mirror that's dealing Mm -hmm. with a hair thinning situation. uh, The good news is that there's a lot of therapies and treatments that we can prescribe and recommend to get you on the path of restoration. So there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of results. The technology is changing every six months, every year. There's something new, something different that's coming out that makes our results even better than they were before and the procedures and processes more effective. So I encourage you to reach out to me if you're feeling like you've got some thinning hair. Like I said, if you know somebody who is, uh, go ahead and share this podcast with them.
0: Definitely. Absolutely. Thanks again. I appreciate it.
1: It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me
0: love it this is great stuff hey fellow health junkie thanks for listening to the health fix podcast if you enjoyed tuning in please help support me to get the word out about the podcast subscribe rate and review and just get that word out thanks again for listening